Aloha. Oh, back from Hawaii. Back from Hawaii. Comedy Film Nerds episode 405. I'm Graham Elwood. I'm Chris Mancini. So you had a uh, you had a surf trip that you did a couple shows at? <laughs> it's always, <laughs> yeah. I had one show. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't just book a show so I could have a tax write-off for a surf trip. Not at all. <laughs> I went there specifically for the show. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, mahalo to everybody that came out to the show uh, in uh, Honolulu and at O'Toole's last Friday. It was great. I saw James Mane, who's been on the show. Did Frank fly in? Uh, Frank did not fly <laughs> in. Um, he was busy doing some... Uh, our YouTube do- editor. Yeah, our YouTube editor. <laughs> We're not paying him enough to fly <laughs> in our island. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really cool, and I got to see James Monet's set that he's um, a, a version of it that he's going to do for the FNX Comedy Experience when he comes out here in March. Jim notes uh, a couple, but he's he's man, he's funny, and he's going to be the first ever Samoan uh, stand-up comic on American TV. Great! So it was really cool to see him, and the weather was great, and surfing, and all that. Uh, I love I love going to Hawaii. <laughs> Needed a break. Been a long. It's been a long couple of months. Right. Well, it's uh, you know Hawaii. Uh, no one comes back stressed from from Hawaii. You're so. an idiot if you come back. You did something <laughs> wrong. You made a series of bad choices. If you're like, oh fucking Hawaii. Yeah, I hate going oh. there. <laughs> I'm I'm tired from surfing five days in a row. But it's a good time. I am not stressed. <laughs> I'm not stressed. I'm tanned, ready to go. So speaking of stress, let's talk about. Uh, this first movie, uh, <laughs> Darkest Hour. Fantastic segue, Chris. God, that's beautiful. Yeah, we should just a, cut together. I wish we could I just cut together all of your segues <laughs> from no matter what we're talking about. I could be going on some political rant, and you're just like, speaking of the deep state. Yeah. How about this? How, how about, about this, this movie that about, was uh, filmed under the ocean? Yeah. <laughs> Something. Like. All this political <laughs> corruption. Yeah, so let's talk about a new Disney film. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, well, one thing we should mention, too, um, no guests, just we're going um, solo th- uh, today. It, it wasn't that... Um, all right, I'll just full dis- I'll just come clean here. <laughs> <laughs> Sheila Shalaki, who's a comic that was on the first episode of the FNX Comedy Experience, I had her booked. She canceled about a week or two ago. And I forgot to rebook it. So this is completely on me. I can't sit here and go, oh, the comic flake. She did not flake. She was very professional. Couldn't make her schedule work. You know, sometimes it's fun just to do us, to have us, and then, uh, you know, we can uh, we can really get into the movies without a guest chiming in. So the comic that good. flaked was me. Yeah. So <laughs> that's who flaked. So uh, I, I want to talk about this movie, Darkest Hour. And, you know, I'll tell you, as I was watching it, it was funny. I was just rewatching the uh, Dark Knight trilogy and uh, Christopher Nolan's movies, and I'm watching Gary Oldman, and I keep thinking Commissioner Gordon, thin Commissioner Gordon. Then this movie goes into Dunkirk. Then I'm thinking Christopher Nolan, yeah. and I'm like, wow, this is really kind of tied to Dark Knight and Christopher Nolan. And then what I loved about this movie is it really got into the Dunkirk. Wh- what are the chances of two Dunkirk movies coming out in the same year? And I felt like I should pause this movie, go out and watch Dunkirk again, and then come back and watch the rest of it. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it was fascinating. It was just the other side of Dunkirk. Right. You it know, was what was happening in England at yeah, the time. The, the politics surrounding <clears throat> Dunkirk. I mean, it was really... And the evacuation. And also, um, what they were talking about, how they expected no more than 10% of the soldiers to get out alive. Oh, yeah. They're, they're talking about those, those type of losses were like... It was brutal. And also... 
All this stuff, too, you kind of, I, I knew this about, I, I read a Churchill biography maybe 10 years ago um, that I bought, actually, if you're ever in London, go to the uh, Churchill Museum that's underneath 10 Downing Street where right. he ran, and it's, it's, they kept it as it was set up during World War II. Oh, cool. And you see the little cot where he would take a 30-minute nap every day, no matter what. That's mm -hmm. how he cleared his head. In between smoking cigars. And drinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the things they brought up for sure in this film. They're like, he's a bloody alcoholic, you know? <laughs> um, he always had a drink or a cigar in his always. head. Always. Mm -hmm. And the thing that was so fascinating about this, it really just focused on the 18, the first, like, 18 days he was prime minister. Right. Mm -hmm. It starts with... They're getting rid of the current, the Chamberlain primate. Who they have no confidence they in. They have no confidence in. And then how he's brought in, all of the politics, nobody, very few people trusted him. Right. They were maneuvering to try to get him out of there because they thought he was like, he was too, like a hothead or, or had made mistakes in the past. And they all, many people thought this Dunkirk thing was like, what are you doing? Right. Um, and, uh, well, he sacrificed one garrison to help get them out. Yeah. So he made that decision. He's like, these 10,000, tell them to just start firing. And they're like, well, they're not going to make it out. Much, much of them, will, he's like, yeah, because we need to we save. We need to save this 300,000 or whatever was on the beach. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just, these 10,000 guys are done. We're going to write them off. It's just like, it's just those brutal aspects. And they mention a little bit Gallipoli, which is this really brutal battle that happened in World War One mainly with Australian soldiers. There's a great movie of the name called Gallipoli that came out in the 80s. I would highly recommend watching it, um, where they had to sacrifice all these Australians to just die in World mm -hmm. War One, And they, and Churchill had some involvement. They just sort of allude to it in this film. Yes, they mentioned it a few times. Yeah. Like, this, well, what about Gallipoli? Yeah, it's another, oh, you're, is this it's gonna another, be another Gallipoli, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and so <clears throat> it was, and, America hadn't, <clears throat> you know, there's a great phone conversation with FDR that's just FDR's blowing him off. Pretty much, You yeah. know, like, well, 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 good luck. Well, we've got a non-aggression, you know, agreement and, and all these things in place because, uh, um, you know, America didn't want to get dragged into another world war uh -uh. We, after we were still recovering from World War One. So, you know, at, before Pearl Harbor, it was really seen as you Hitler was really seen as Europe's problem. Yeah. Which is what it's, it's, it's a classic, you know, this is one of those things that we'll never really know probably, but like FDR, you know, that conspiracy theory of he pulled all the high level brass out of Pearl Harbor. Like he knew it was going to happen and didn't send someone to try to stop it because he needed it to happen to get us into the war. Yes. And uh, if you ever go to the uh, Pearl Harbor Museum in Pearl in uh, Honolulu, uh, they go into those theories and what possibly may have happened. The other thing that I found interesting when I was at the museum is they moved the aircraft carriers out on maneuvers right before the attack because those aircraft carriers were critical to victory. They couldn't lose them. Right. But you know the the rest of the the ships they know they they could have replaced. So now uh, this is all speculation and none of it's proven and it's all, all Monday quarterbacking. Yeah, it's Monday, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it but it's interesting. Like uh, and it goes back to um, the code breaking when we saw the movie uh, 
uh, oh gosh, what was the name of the, the movie that, that came out was last year? Wind Talkers. Not Wind Talkers. No. no. <laughs> it was uh, the movie the, from the, one the with 90s. Doctor Strange. <laughs> it was the mid 2000s. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, oh, Jesus. The uh, I know we were all, the one we're with Doctor Strange, yeah, the one with Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. Benny, yeah Cumbo? Benedict Cum- Benny Cumbo. Yeah, yeah. Something game. Yeah, the yeah. imitation game. Imitation game. Imitation. So you know, the theory was that. Um, they had cracked the code. They knew the uh, attack was coming. They let us know under the table, and then FDR kind of sat on the information and let the attack happen because he needed something to get us into World War II. Right. So, and that's the thing that's so with with all of this history and all that's happened, and <clears throat> knowing, and then just seeing the dramatized version of it. So, Churchill was seen in some circles in in. English government as sort of a a, 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 a warmonger or because he was like Hitler's no joke. Right. And they're like, we need to, you know, hit- we need to start peace talks with him. peace talk. He's yeah. willing to do peace talks. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's not going to do peace talks. Yeah. If we he's going to roll over us, man. What Look was what- his, his famous line is you can't negotiate with a tiger when your head's in its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yeah. And going back to the Churchill Museum, they they play. um kind of recreation arguments mm-hmm. that he had with his cabinet. And in this film, you see them sitting in this bunker under 10 Downing Street just yelling at each yeah. other because it's like no bullshit. Mm-hmm. These are high stakes. And it's a good job of acting and a good job of directing in terms of... It was very, it was differing opinions down there in that bunker. And everyone's... you, you, you the, the thing is, because they don't... It's 1940, so they don't... No one has the benefit of hindsight in that part and the history. So no I one's under- looking at their cell phones. No one's okay, yeah. <laughs> and and no one knows the depth of Hitler's evil right. at that point. Mm-hmm. So you understand the like, look, man, we can't keep fighting, fighting, fighting. We're already losing all these people. He's starting to bomb the mainland. You know, uh we We've got these couple hundred thousand guys in Dunkirk. Like we're gonna we're gonna lose our whole army. There's not gonna be any more men left. Right. We gotta we gotta call it quits. Like I see that I saw I was like was they did a really good job of kind of presenting that point of view as it was at the time. Right. Of a valid point of view versus just saying you know, sometimes filmmakers can just sort of you know, they write that guy out like th- th- that person is viewed as like the guy that said Ah, the Beatles will never make it. You know what I mean. And, and this time they didn't. I, which, which I think in a in a World War II film, mm-hmm. where it's critical every decision, and and having read a fair amount of books about World War II, some of it was like they did at the time they didn't know, you know. So there was just this kind of taking the data and taking, and then there was just some kind of gut instinct <laughs> involved in the people in charge. Right. And the people who were again, who wanted to go to peace talks, they weren't morons. They weren't like no. idiots. They were like highly accomplished. They like, saw the destruction of their country in front of them. And they're like, this is the only way we can save any of it. Yeah. Again, going back to what you said about World War One, they had already lost. You know, there was guys there that were in their 40s or 50s who were World War One vets. Right. And they're like, we already lost however many men from that one. We're going to do this again? No. Mm-mm. No way. Um, and, yeah, they viewed Hitler as just, oh, he's like the Kaiser. Right. He's another, yeah, another. And it's like they didn't understand it, but Hit, but uh, Churchill did. Right. 
And so the, the, the politicking and it was done really well. I thought it was a good movie. It yeah. really was. It, 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 I think it deserves its nominations. I think Gary Oldman deserves his nomination. Now, um, I didn't see these other portrayals of Churchill with Albert Finney. Like I, you said, there was one on HBO. So I didn't have anything to compare it to. I just felt like uh, um, he did a really nice portrayal. In fact, Gary Oldman even said he studied Churchill closely to get the performance right. And he also wanted to make sure he uh, was doing more of a creation than an impersonation and tried not to be influenced by the other screen versions, uh, specifically Albert Finney and Robert Hardy. So he he made a conscious effort to try to make it his own. And it's not an easy um, person to play because, first of all, there's a speech thing, let alone all the makeup and prosthetics and the stuff he has to go through. But also, you know, Churchill mumbled. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't always understand him. They even make a point of that in the movie. I'm like, I I, I couldn't understand you. <laughs> well, the first it was such a cool thing, and also too that's, uh, that Gary Oldman had to like get detox because he smoked 400 cigars. Right. He said mm-hmm. in an interview that the cigar he got budget nicotine was, poisoning. Yeah, he got nicotine poisoning. The cigar budget was 30 grand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but that's the thing too is is in the beginning. You know, Churchill became prime minister like in his 60s or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was really keen how they did his new after how many years of drinking and smoking drinking and smoking <laughs> and, and uh of the the they start the kind of movie with the the woman well they started in in seeing chamberlain getting ousted right. in parliament and then they start with this this woman who's going to be his new secretary mm-hmm. and they just they lay it all out he mumbles he doesn't don't type too fast or too hard. He gets pissed off. He's, you know, and he was like not easy to work for at no, all. No, no. You know? mm-hmm. And, um, and then, but the, so, so having seen several of the, the Albert, Albert Finney one did a, did a great job. That one didn't, it focused on the several years leading up to him becoming prime minister. Okay. And so that, that one sort of ends with, him becoming prime minister and then it's sort of like and the rest is history kind of mm-hmm. you know he he helps he helps you know what happens after this yeah you know what happens <laughs> after this so that was a longer version where this was just these 18 crucial days it was a it was a real snapshot of a moment in time in churchill's life um in fact they even say that uh um you know the in the movie end titles it it doesn't even come up that even though he lost the 1945 election he was reelected as prime minister in 19 he was reelected as prime minister in 1951 uh the labor party actually won the popular vote though the conservative party won the most seats yeah um it, it's it's there's a great docu uh, book a biography by written by Ian Carr i believe i forget the name but uh about churchill that i that i would highly recommend if you really want to get the whole how he came up and everything um, There's more to the story than just the movie. The movie takes place on a specific um, uh, time frame, and there's a lot of stuff that happened before and after. If you mm-hmm. really want to check it out, but going back to the Albert Finney one, which is a, it's just a really good, it's a really good, mm. well-made HBO thing. So I, I definitely was comparing it to that. But to give Gary Oldman and Albert Finney both credit, you know, who could you understand more? Yeah. <laughs> who mumbled less? Uh, they both did a fine interpretation of this iconic historical figure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like playing any of these MacArthur or, or any, you know, any of these like 
Eisenhower, these these big World War II figures were so larger than life as history has depicted them since they had to they were facing the worst possible situation and, and how they dealt with it with these really awful life and death decisions and having mm-hmm. to make those like, well, we're going to have to sacrifice this many people to save this many more. Right. Um, but no, Gary Oldman, I, I thought. Um, you didn't even recognize him. I mean, it's also a credit to the uh, um, the prosthetics department. I mean, yeah. it really like it was seamless. Like you're looking at like, well, I got to there, There's got to be like a. You know, I, I can see where the latex is, and you couldn't. No, you couldn't. it was it was really seamless. I mean, Albert Finney is an older man who could, you know, there wasn't as much makeup. And Albert Finney, I'm not to take anything away from him. He does a fan, you know, he's a fine mm-hmm. actor and does a fantastic job. But knowing, like, what Gary Oldman actually looks like, right? He's a pretty mm-hmm. lean, in shape guy, and and uh, you know, it, it, that was amazing. I remember I was on a plane. Well, they were shooting Dark Knight Rises, uh, coming back from Chicago, and him and, and um, Christian Bale were on the flight, mm-hmm. and I had been upgraded, and so I nice. was I was getting off the plane with them at the same time, and I just said, "Hey, I, I like your work," and he's like, "Oh," and it, you forget because I'm used to him as Commissioner Gordon, you know, mm-hmm. he's a Brit. He's like, oh, thanks, mate. You know, yeah. <laughs> Aussie accent. My accents are horrible, um, but it, but I said, "So, oh, that's I I really like your work," and and. And you could tell Christian Bale was kind of like, uh oh, here comes a yeah. Batman nerd. Yeah. But Gary Oldman was really was really uh, personable. And well, Christian Bale's like that on the set when he's shooting a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, so yes. that's that wouldn't surprise me that he would be like that actually out in public <laughs> around fans. But I said, where? So where'd you guys shoot? He goes, oh, we were in Chicago, and then we were in, uh, you know, Hong Kong and and wherever else. And he goes. He goes, I didn't get to go there. I can't can't afford that on policeman's wages. And he looks over at <laughs> Christian Bale. Christian Bale kind of smirks at him like, like, you know, it, I took it as like, he knows show business. He knows he knows Christian Bale's going to get the $10 million contract and he's going to get the $3 million or whatever. Right, you know, like, right. He's <laughs> sort of making that joke to me in front of, <laughs> to, in front Christian of Bale, Christian great. Bale. That's great. But yeah, it was, it was, um, it was really cool. And I've read and seen in, in multiple versions that, the, the great thing about Churchill, he was this very powerful, gruff man who just was a, uh, you know, his wife, he'd be like, in the, in the Albert Finney one, there's times he pissed his wife off and he'd be like knocking on her door going, I'm sorry, kitten, you know, or whatever mm-hmm. his like nickname was. <laughs> <laughs> this guy that's yelling at generals right. in his <laughs> office is like, I'm sorry, to his wife, which is sort of endearing. Um so, but all in all, I thought it was a it was a good movie for sure. And, and w- what I found interesting is that it was one of those movies too that it left me wanting to learn more about the story. Like mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen. Okay, well now you know he he delivers his iconic speeches. You know he's prime minister. He's making these life or death decisions for the you know with the soldiers' lives. Um, you know how. It made me more interested in like, oh, now how does how is he fighting World War Two? Like, right. what happens after the movie ends? But you know, it, it would be a mini series if you went through everything. Um, Darkest Hour Two, slightly brighter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good. <laughs> Put that in a one sheet, Aaron. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's pitch that. Yeah. Send it over to Legendary or somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Darkest Hour Two, slightly brighter. Uh, all right. So and the entire movie takes place over a single month, starting in 1940, the first days of Churchill's wartime tenure as prime minister. So like you're saying, it's uh, 
And I think it was a good choice. I liked the way that it took that one moment in time and really just kind of expanded on the character and man of Churchill. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought it was well done. Yep. Check it out. All right. Battle of the Sexes. Uh, yeah. Finally got to see this. Was on a plane, obviously. Uh, and it, um, it, it seemed... Hold on. Let me... Battle of the Sexes. So it came out... It It's... Didn't really get much Oscar love at all, which was which was no shunned. Yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a good film and it tells an interesting story. It's really I wonder too. Is it like is it release date? Is that a factor? Because it came out earlier in the year. I, I, yeah, that has to have a factor into it. And mm. then if it's release date and it it doesn't have let me let me let me check the budget on this. So you know it. Didn't ha- I don't know what I can't seem to find a budget on it. it wasn't huge but uh, I think again we talk about this every year and and I'm I'm wondering if this was the case since it didn't have a huge budget that means there's not a big marketing an Oscar you got to have a separate Oscar marketing budget right to get this thing in the right people's hands to get any sort of traction and to get any sort of buzz at the festivals and. And get all the the, the the right critics and the Oscar members to get on board with it. So, it's a you know it's it's a full court press marketing push. According to Wikipedia, the budget was twenty five and it made seventeen point eight. So there you go. It wasn't it wasn't a eighty hundred million dollar thing. Twenty five, um, but it, it, they do a good job. Um, they do a good job of of you learn more because we don't we don't know as much about Bobby Riggs. As we do, Billie Jean King, right? And they do. I mean, they show her struggling. You know, she's obviously came out as a lesbian and married mm-hmm. to a woman, but back then she had a husband and was like wrestling with that, right? Um, and they do a good job of of bringing up historically how the women were just underpaid. The head of the U.S. Tennis Association was kind of a sexist dick who was just like, ah, women aren't worth this much, and and they had to start their own. They said, the hell with this, and. It wasn't about, you know, Billie Jean King uh, and and they uh, Emma Stone did a pretty decent job of like of playing this young woman who was like, wait a minute. And and the, the, the whole tennis match wasn't about our women who's better at tennis, men or women. It was about we deserve it was it was really a financial like, why are we being paid less? Mm-hmm. You know, why are why are we uh, less in- we're not less interesting to watch. We're not, you know what I mean, like why are we treated like second class citizens? Yeah, when we're professional athletes who were selling tickets and and generating, mm-hmm. t- you know, TV revenue was just starting to become a thing. Right. And they created their own tour. They got Virginia Slims to be the sponsor. Um and Sarah, it's hilarious, a cigarette company. It's so <laughs> hilarious. And Sarah Silverman plays the like agent. She does a great job, and she's just like, "All right, ladies, make sure you try to smoke on camera." <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> which is funny, but I saw there's another really interesting thirty for thirty that I would, if you're going to see this, I would, I would ask you to, to, to that's a nice compliment to this that talks mm-hmm. about, I forget the name of it, but it's about women in sports and generating money as, as professional athletes and sponsorship. And they, there's a part of that 30 for 30 where they interview Billie Jean King and she's like, Virginia Slims changed the game. We got mm-hmm. a big sponsor and that took their tour. And then, you know, they started their own 
Women's Tennis Association and started their own tour and went out there and they had to hustle, man. They're staying in motels. Right. They're out in the street corners. Sarah Silverman's like, here's a stack of tickets. <laughs> get out there. Get people out. Yeah. Get people to But I'm the number two player in the world. The show, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> go show everybody. <clears throat> yeah. The match is until two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of, that was kind of cool, you know, having what we've done is in this day and age of crowdfunding movies and, right, and all right. that stuff of you just got to kind of do it yourself. It was cool to see that that's started, but I would, I, I would recommend watching this 30 for 30 because then you see this sort of where it started in the seventies. It was from this, mm -hmm. this women's tennis circuit. Um, but yeah, it's really good performances. Steve Carell, you know, I didn't know Bobby Riggs, you know, he had a gambling problem. Oh, okay. And, um, there's some great scenes in there and some great lines, and they did a really interesting thing too. She said Emma Stone put on 15 pounds of muscle for the film. Yeah, mm -hmm. and they did the tennis. I'm not a I'm not a tennis player, so maybe maybe a, a a hardcore tennis player might take issue with how they shot the tennis. It looked just a guy that sort of watched it from a distance. It looked good to me, um, and they did a really nice use of intercutting the actual ABC Wild World of Sports footage into this. Um, like the, you know, the, the actual match itself was a big deal and Howard Cosell was there. And this guy, the, the Jack guy, forget the character that was played um, by uh, Bill Pullman, Jack Kramer. He was the sort of sexist guy that ran the... Uh, wasn't sort of sexist. He was full on sexist. He was just like <laughs> women are less than, and that's a you know they like girls tennis is a fine little you know side event, mm -hmm. um, and so he was going to do the the color commentary and step down, and then an actual one of the women from the tur tournament played uh, was the was the announcer. So you hear during the final big match, it all the whole movie leads up to this. Howard Cosell. And the actual woman from that, and she's talking mad shit about Jack Kramer and Bobby Riggs and everything. It's called mm -hmm. it Bobby Riggs an old man because Bobby Riggs was, he was a great promoter. So he went out and just did this circus of promotional events and women need to be in the kitchen and everything. Like right. That. The movie structurally is is decent. It takes a, there's a, I understand why they spent a lot, a fair amount of time focusing on Billie Jean King coming out of the closet and, mm -hmm. and and dealing with that. It felt like it took almost a, a little bit. I mean, I know that's a key element. It almost went on for a little bit too long to where I got a little distracted, but like the movie's called Battle of the Sexes. It's all about the lead up to this giant event. Too much of a tangent, maybe. A little bit too much. I would have mm -hmm. pulled, I mean, I know you need it in there. You absolutely, right. it's, a, it's an integral part of the story and who Billie Jean King is. And this is, this is also, this, this event is sort of, the creation of her as this like feminist and 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 fighting for women's sports, so that's important and that's an important part of it. But I almost felt like just from a script structural standpoint, it just meandered a little bit too much. This is me nitpicking, mm -hmm. um, but it's a decent film, and it's always it's one of these every year we talk about this. It's weird just why it didn't get the you got two Oscar people in it, right? Um, but it's a it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun movie and there's good performances and it's a great view about this this historically significant event, you know. Mm -hmm. So, all right, yeah, Battle of the Sexes. So uh, I also saw the Cloverfield Paradox, 
And what is this? This is The Cloverfield Paradox. It's the next movie in the Cloverfield universe. <laughs> Um, Why is there a Cloverfield I, universe? I will uh, I will give a lot of credit to Netflix on their uh, marketing strategy. It was pretty interesting what they did. They released the trailer, the first trailer ever, during the Super Bowl, and said, after the Super Bowl, you can go watch it on Netflix. So it was, wow. they released the trailer, and they released the movie on the same day. And That's so, brilliant. Yeah, so that is uh, where the brilliance ends. The movie <laughs> was absolutely awful. Uh, the only paradox is that they called it a movie. Ah! And I, I tell you, it's like at this point, Netflix needs to start paying me per month to watch these horrible movies that they're, they're making. I really feel like Hollywood and Netflix has an agreement. Like Netflix will say, all right, give us the crap that you guys won't release and we'll pay a premium for it. So it's it's so ridiculous. It's it was originally called the God Particle, and it's another example of where they took a script that makes no sense, by the way, uh, and then they would film um, a couple of scenes in it to put it in the Cloverfield universe. And I'm spoiler alert right here. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now is that you know most of the movie takes place on a space station. But they're like, well, how does this tie into the Cloverfield universe? And it's like, oh, well, you'll you'll get to see two seconds of one of the Cloverfield monsters at the end. That's how it ties in. Mm. So it's like if you had a whole movie on a space station and then an X-wing flew by and you went, see, it's a Star Wars movie. That's <laughs> that that's really that's really what was kind of happening here. And it it just it, did it, they just <laughs> let me ask you, do you think they just Netflix just found this thing, bought it, and then went? Slap some Cloverfield on it. It really—that's exactly how it felt. Like they didn't pay yeah. for the production; they just uh, no. Uh, Netflix uh, definitely paid for the production. They they bought it from Paramount, but I don't know if they they bought the script or if they bought the completed film. I don't know exactly what went down. Whatever happened, though, uh, Netflix did not get their money's worth. <laughs> so, and there, I I'll, I'll say this: you know, it was a bunch of decent actors. It's you know, no giant names, but all solid actors like Chris O'Dowd. Uh, all delivering clunky, horrible dialogue. And it really felt like two Netflix or Paramount, whoever made the movie, said, all right, get us some solid actors, but who aren't too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, this is, we, we, we've talked about this before, but it obviously bears repeating. I, there's so much about what Netflix is doing that I love. I mean, like yeah. the, this, this dropping the ad on the Super Bowl, so they spend right. the five million dollars or whatever. The marketing department gets the uh, gets the credit for this, not the production department. And they do uh, so many series that are amazing. Their movies are very hit and miss. I mean, Beasts of No Nation, as we talked about, or yes. so, should have got Oscar nominations. There's right. It's amazing. It's socially mm -hmm. relevant. But then there's like Bright, and yeah. then there's this, yeah. and then there's. Um, you know the war, war, war machine, or war dogs, war dogs, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which was okay. I mean, we and Death Note. Yeah, there's more. There, it, it's a long string. It's a series of just movies that literally Hollywood didn't want or didn't want to make, and then Netflix picks up, throws a bunch of money at, and makes crappy uh, movies. Yeah, they're 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 like. At best, they're like C plus B minuses, like yes. like War Games or mm -hmm. War Dogs or whatever. It was like, but they're not cheap budgets. No, they're not. They spend right. all this yeah. this massive. It's it's not like if they were making like eight million or ten million dollar movies or fifty. Th this wasn't a one million dollar film. You know, it, there was money in it. Uh, in fact, I don't know if you, you can pull up the budget on it. it was uh, whatever it was, it was too high. Uh, but it was like everything that gets set up. 
like is like is it a horror movie is it like it wants to be alien it wants to be um you know a heady science fiction movie it wants to be in the cloverfield universe it wants to be all these things and it ends up being none of those things it's a 26 million dollar budget which is not yeah. exorbitant no. but it's but if you see the movie you're like oh my god i don't know where that money went it's it's really it's not in the special effects it's not in the cast it's um you know i will say this some of the mo- money may have gone into the production design like the space station itself looked pretty cool um but again one location you know it's you know and you know it takes place over a very small amount of time um but the main problem here was the script the script was just a mess it made no sense and then at the end just it slapped into the cloverfield universe but this is like cloverfield doesn't need a universe it really doesn't this is quote the third movie in the cloverfield universe only one movie actually feels like a cloverfield movie you know even 10 cloverfield lane was a movie called The Bunker, and then they just slapped on a couple Cloverfieldy things to make it in the in the universe. So, but this one was a mess. I'd say the uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, or aka The Bunker, much better movie. Like from start to finish. Yeah, the, like bu- it, the Cloverfield Lane's a, that's a yeah, fun movie. Yeah, that's and, really and, and it's structured properly. Like like this one, like it went all over the place. It was a mess. Like the the characters were you didn't care about, and then there was too much time. It was it was funny to see. All the time spent trying to develop characters that you don't care about. Right. Like, like you're like, well, okay, this is this scene clearly is supposed to make me care about this character, and it's doing the opposite. I now care less because now you've wasted more of my time <laughs> with nothing happening in this movie. So it was either talking or stuff happening that made no sense, or they tried to throw in some, like, haunted housey horror movie type scares like right. so uh, th- which made even less sense uh, as i i wonder i mean i don't know so 26 million if it was like an 80 million dollar budget i'd be like what the hell is netflix doing so i don't know you take 26 million and you take the five or six million whatever the 30 second spot on on super bowl costs and i don't right. know maybe i've seen articles where people are like and this looked like a five million dollar movie right. this it really but did. my question here though is is and we've raised this question before and there's been articles about it is netflix is can this business model last right and you're not the only one asking that question yeah a lot of people, are, lot asking of people that, are asking it but mm-hmm. but specific to this project looking at these numbers did it pay out for them right because did they get i mean did did a million people watch this movie Right, like last night or tomorrow, and it's also, right after the Super Bowl or Monday or something. How do you interpret the metrics? Like, what happens is like, did you get a bunch of new subscribers to sign up just to see this movie after the Super Bowl, or did you get a bunch of people that are already subscribed watch it? Uh, now, can you tell if they liked it or not? And does it re- does do people retain their subscription because of? Well, I think like I think this? it's the first one. They obviously, mm-hmm. if they're going to do this in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl is people watching on network TV. Now, the Super Bowl has also expanded to the Internet because people yes. have cut their cables. So you can you could have watched it on your laptop or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, my guess is it's the first thing that you said, which is okay. they're like, we're going to spend this five million dollars because this is going to get Netflix new subscribers because that's what they need. They don't need right. ratings. I mean, if this thing gets a bunch of five star or two star reviews or one star relevant, who gives a shit? Right. So to me, they probably went. Did we get five? I mean, uh, uh, whatever, hundred thousand. How and they know well this enough new eyeballs to justify this is this. We're gonna get 
a year's worth, you know, $30 million in new subscribers over the course of a year or whatever the hell right. their metric is to figure exactly. that out. That's where I go. When I look at it from that point, I go, well, maybe this does make sense. Maybe this right. is. Well, because what they are doing is they're using uh, top Hollywood talent and just buying the worst things that they have. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> love Will Smith. Bright was awful. Sure. You know, J.J. Abrams, you know, I like his work. Star Wars, you know, mm-hmm. Force mm-hmm. Awakens was fantastic. I love the first Cloverfield. I like the second one, too. Um, this is the co- the one that we're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't make this one. No, 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 no Netflix comes. No, no, we'll make it. We'll make it. We'll give you 20-some million dollars for it. <laughs> That's really what it feels like. And then J.J. Abrams is like, well, okay. Sure. Right. Yeah, it sounds good to me. I like it. Yeah. All right. So- uh, Cloverfield Paradox, uh, not good. I wouldn't, if you already have a subscription, you want to check it out, uh, that's fine, but be warned, it will make no sense. And then um, I don't know if it's worth coming on board if you're like, I need to see everything J.J. Abrams is associated with. I'm going to start my Netflix subscription right now. So, All right. Got some sponsors. We got some sponsors. Oh, yeah. yeah. Aaron, writing down that time code? Sure. Ready? Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is a convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care simplified. And uh, what, what I like about it, too, is that you can take a vision test right from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor, and you get a one-year uh, prescription, and you can reorder your contacts there. And if you have an unexpired prescription... You can upload a photo or your doctor's info and order your lenses. So there's convenience, speed, reliability, choice, support, and savings all together. So, but... All in the comfort of your own home. All in the comfort of your own home. So, you know, why pay supermarket prices, Graham? (laughs) For contact lenses. (laughs) Don't pay supermarket prices for contact lenses, Chris. So... Now, why would we not have a special offer for our fans? We would be, of course, we, we would, would be horrible. We would human. be remiss if we had great <laughs> use of the word. <laughs> so, there's what we can do is we can actually give you guys. There's a thirty dollar offer um, for Simple Contacts. All you got to do is go to simplecontacts.com/cfn and enter the code CFN. That's simplecontacts.com/cfn and enter the code CFN. So um, the great thing is, you know, you can uh, um, you can the vision test is only twenty dollars. You save that, and you know, without insurance, it costs you over two hundred. The contact lens prices are unbeatable. The shipping is free, and you get a promotion from uh, for our listeners. How about that? So take advantage. Take advantage, guys, and that's a great way to support. You got crazy eyes. You got crazy eyes. And you don't want to get your contacts at a supermarket, then go to simplecontacts.com. Do it. All right. Ready for the next one? Oh, I am ready for the yeah. next one. This is uh, this is amazing. We have two sponsors today. That's two. It's ex- exciting. Bombfell. Now, this one you actually tried. I love Bombfell mm-hmm. um, because they they have like a stylist. I don't, I'm too busy, Chris. I'm, You're a very busy I man. I have to go surfing. Mm-hmm. I have to drive out to San Bernardino to shoot a TV show. Um, You've got podcasts in Burbank. To I got to come to Burbank. Nothing is near me. No. Um, <laughs> if we could move this studio to the west side of LA, I would have so much more time. And if we could move San Bernardino 
we, yes. <laughs> we could physically move the city of San Bernardino and the First Nations Experience yeah. Network. We could move their offices to me on the west side. I would be the happiest man ever. And we add an electric vehicle charging station right. at the network. Boom, yeah, I'd be locked in. parking spot. Um, so I, I don't have a lot of time, and I needed to get some fancy new clothes to wear on the TV for the for the new the, the new TV show. And you hate shopping for clothes, but still want to look good. It's yeah. an easy way for you to get clothes fully per- and full, fully personalized. Well, yeah, that you get a, you get a you, stylist, Graham. Yeah, you get a stylist helps you out, and you kind of fill out a form and say, "I like this, I don't like that." Then they give you stuff, and then they send you. It's so simple. They send you a bunch of stuff, and I don't have to like go to a mall. And you know, get a number and deal be, with those weirdos. Yeah, when they treat you like they treat you like you're like you're a grifter. They got to mm. count because there's people stealing. Like I don't steal yeah, clothes. Yeah. I what am I gonna wear your clothes and walk out of here? Like yeah, they stand right outside the fitting room yeah. waiting for you to do something. Like Joe Namath in the CC Writer movie from the seventies. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, the, so you send you stuff. You try some stuff on. I'm like this. I, I, there was like a shirt. I'm like ah, this wasn't really for me. I sent it back. Mm-hmm. I got a pair of jeans that fit great. I mean, it was just, it was such a simple process and I don't, I, I didn't have to take all this extra time to go do it. And the other thing is you get, if you keep more, you get more. If you keep two items, you get 10% off. You keep three, you get 15. And if you keep four, you get 20% off. So the more you keep, the more you save. And but- I think it's an easy way too to, if you're like, especially if you're like, want to update your wardrobe or mm-hmm. let's say you started a new job and you need new clothes and you've been working at home where you, you know, and you at the office, you can't in just- your underwear. Yeah. You can't show up in boxer shorts. <laughs> Not anymore. And a pizza stained t- tank top. No. <laughs> um, or let's say you were even in a relationship- home, even, you should really dress a little better. Work, work at, treat your home office like a yes. professional <laughs> environment. Yeah. Don't dress be, for the job you want. Yeah. Don't be a gypsy drifter. <laughs> um, or maybe, you know, uh, you were dating somebody that uh, went nuts and now you got to go out there and go dating them. <laughs> somebody just, this is all hypothetical, just decided to go bananas. and You're going to need a new wardrobe yeah, for that. You had to hide the knives and now they're out and you need to go out in the world again like a gentleman. So you want some new clothes. And not only uh, do you want to go out like a gentleman, you want to go out like a thrifty gentleman. Thrifty gentleman. So you're going to get $25 off <gasps> your first order. All you got to do is visit bombfell.com slash CFN. That's bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com slash CFN. We'll give you 20, they'll give you $25 off your first purchase. And we got a Patreon sponsor. This is at the $50 level, guys. The Audacity Performing Art Project is a non-for-profit working to bring after-school performing arts programs to schools, public schools. Audacity's primary goal is to serve those schools who cannot afford our services. Audacity relies on community donations to keep our program alive. CFN fans who support Audacity with a $25 donation, normally be $30, you're going to receive an amazing Audacity t-shirt. So go to this unique URL, guys, cfn.audacityperformingarts.org to learn more. Support the arts, you guys. Yep. And we have, a, we have a second Patreon sponsor, a new one. What? Yes. A uh, new Patroni? A new Patroni. Uh, supply and demand investing. Because planning for retirement should be as easy as planning your next vacation. It just takes longer. So supplyanddemandinvesting.com. Welcome. Welcome. Guys, you get that. If you have a little business, you want us to p- plug your URL, go to patreon.com slash comedy film nerds. Yep. You'll get, you'll get on every show. Yeah. And it's a, a great, inexpensive way to market your business. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, a great way to also support the show because that $50 a month is a, a nice tier for us. Yeah. It really helps us out and helps run the company. Yeah. You're, you're helping everybody. So. 
Um, okay, let's talk about some trailers. Mm. Uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. Now, this was an interesting thing what they did at the Super Bowl, too. They showed the teaser at the Super Bowl, but not the full trailer. And then that's like a weird thing. Like, I'd rather, no, just, uh, you've got all these eyeballs watching the Super Bowl. Just show the freaking trailer. So they're like, oh, trailer drops tomorrow. I'm like, hmm. Just, I, I love. I, I don't I don't really, I like, I like Netflix idea. I don't like this idea of doing a teaser at the Super Bowl. Just show the trailer. I, I agree. And I, I love this, this complete shift that has happened with you and I. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> don't give a shit about football anymore. I used to love well, it. I am from Philly. Yeah, it was well, it. Yeah. <laughs> so my, did you like riot and set your house on fire and Yeah, but not because of the Super Bowl. <laughs> so <laughs> I had other things going on. Audrey so. ate the last pizza roll. What <laughs> yeah, happened? You yeah. just went nuts. <laughs> so we went to we went to a friend's house at a Super Bowl party, just a bunch of Philly uh we had a real Philly evening. We uh um went down to uh, got Philly cheesesteaks, tasty cakes. Threw batteries really, at threw each batteries other. Threw batteries at each other, yeah. Drank drink water. Threw snow, <laughs> drank water, yeah. Threw snowballs at Santa. And uh, <laughs> we we watched the game, and um, my friends who are diehard, diehard Philly Eagles fans, you know, just literally went nuts. I was happy to see them win, but I can't say I got quite as excited as they did <laughs> because uh, it also reminded me of that um, video of uh, you and Sam at uh, Kevin oh, Pollock's house. Oh, when the Cubs won? <laughs> yeah, when oh the Cubs won. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that's what my friends looked like at that. Like, Lunatics? I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And it was like almost like in tears, just like it's never because, uh, you know, Philly's never won a Super Bowl. Never. It's the first one. So um, so it was really fun. And, uh, you know, it's always fun also to watch the commercials. But this, this whole new thing of, like, showing a teaser, I'm like, no, just show the freaking trailer. Right. So... Uh, so we saw Solo, well, a Star Wars story. They are on a budget, guys. They're on a it's budget. Disney. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Disney's, Disney's, Disney's a, a tight little startup, so they yeah. got to. Yeah, they, and they have no marketing budget. No. got to be great <laughs> if Disney came on board with a $50 Patreon support yeah, yeah. <laughs> to promote their little website. Uh, I t- so, so watching this this trailer, like, I can go into, I don't know if this kid, if I'm going to like him as a young Han Solo, blah, blah, blah. You show me a. They just do one little shot of a brand spanking the inside of a brand spanking new Millennium Falcon, like right on the dealership floor. Right. I'm in. Yeah, that, that was pretty. That's cool. it. I'm mm-hmm. going to the movie just for that. Because you know, if, when you look at the history of Star Wars movies, where they show the characters that we love younger, it doesn't always go so well. Mm-mm. So. Uh, I don't know. I'm really on the fence about this movie. But again, it's Star Wars. We're going to go see it again. Um, we're all the thing about these. I movies love Rogue is, One. Yeah. Yeah. So like these side these side stories. Uh, but this is the first side story. Like Rogue One was all different characters, which was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is like this is a, a younger version of a beloved character. A young like Lando when, Calrissian. Yeah. You know, it's like when Shia Le Pew played uh, Indiana Jones. You know, <laughs> Sheila Pugh. Uh, you That's know, it's like he's, he's going to replace Pepe him. Pepe Le Pew's brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is he? <laughs> Shia Le, Le Pugh, Le Pugh. Yeah, yeah. When uh, he was like, you know, when the fourth Indiana Jones movie came out, it was like, oh, well, they're grooming him to take up the mantle and be the next Indiana Jones. And it did, oof. It would really well, he, he didn't like. literally. I mean, Sean Patrick Flannery played the 
the young Indiana Jones on and the Shia LaBeouf the TV was show. just yeah that's he, different so, yeah. yeah he wasn't young Indiana Jones he was no going, no I, were, what I mean is like they were kind of grooming him right. as like to take over the franchise uh, like that thank was, God that didn't happen yeah thank God Woo! that didn't happen indeed um, so so I don't know I mean this movie. It doesn't matter. We're going to go see it. We're going to be on board. And uh, all it has to be is better than the prequels, and then we'll be happy. (laughs) So not hard to do. Yeah, it'll be fine. I'm I'm excited. I'm like, um, yeah. My only question is is just in this in you're playing Han Solo. You know what I mean? Right. It's like a young James Bond or some really exactly. iconic film character that Harrison Ford carved out his whole career from. Mm-hmm. So this is a big undertaking for a young actor. That fans have been rabid about since the 70s. Yeah. So that's my only like, hmm, can they do it? Right. But I'm going to see it. Yeah. I like the casting for the young Lando Calrissian. He looks actually more interesting. Like, I really feel like, you know, the casting for Han Solo... I mean, they didn't give him a lot of lines in the trailer, like, deliberately. But um, I hope that's not because, well, he didn't deliver them very well. (laughs) So, I don't know. Like, I never got a sense of, uh, oh, this is young. Like, if I didn't know the movie was called Solo, I wouldn't know that that's, Well, it's like like Chris Pine as a young James Kirk. Right. And Mm -hmm. showing him as young hothead Kirk. that was like you're playing. I mean, it's this is a very similar thing. Yes, because you're you're showing. I mean, this is William Shatner's whole existence. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. But Chris Pine, the the difference is Chris Pine is was already sort of an A list star. Right. This kid's kind of a no name. Now maybe that's a maybe that's was smart mm-hmm. because we have sort of a, a a kid we don't know. It's a blank slate. It's not someone that's more established as Pine was. Second director, a lot of reshoots. There's a, there's a lot of things against going against this right. movie right now. So uh, I'm hoping they pull it together and the producers and everybody, you know, even Ron Howard, to see if he can pull it off and uh, just pull it together. I'll say this. There's a lot of very competent people who got involved. I feel like they're they're all experienced and good enough to, to potentially save what sounds like maybe it was going off the rails. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see it. Though. It was going in a different direction. It was probably going in the direction of like a Lego movie because those were the guys that made the Lego movie like funnier, uh, lighter. And that's what really made them turn the ship back around. Right. And like, well, this isn't doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. What's our version of a Star Wars movie? Yeah, that's not what we no, want. No, I didn't ask you yeah, for that. Yeah, we want an actual, <laughs> we want our version, the actual version of yeah, the Star Rogue Wars Yeah, Rogue One movie. has a yeah. couple of light moments, but it's a pretty intense It's film. a dark film. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, and it's firmly in the Star Wars universe. Like, there's no, there's nothing that happens in Rogue One that you go, well, that's not right. in the Star Wars the, And universe. you have an interesting opportunity here. Are you going to show a more insecure Han Solo because he's younger or has he always been cocky and his bravado is to mask his insecurity? Like right. you have some interesting things to do here and sort of- He's always got a con going on, which made sense. Right. Mm-hmm. He was born a grifter. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. he was born in some, I mean, that's the opening yeah. VO is yeah. like- Woody Harrelson just kind of takes me out of a little bit because he's such a big star and uh, you have a, a bunch of people in the movie that aren't name actors that you know, or, rec- or giant recognizable faces. So it's like, oh, a bunch of a Star Wars movie with Woody Harrelson. That's what the trailer looked like. <laughs> I don't so, know. So Aaron, what do you think? He's well, I mean, I would prefer it if he was shaving his head with a with a knife. 
Right. <laughs> Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> Sorry. You want everything to be that? <laughs> I yes. really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm encouraged by two things. Lawrence Kasdan and his son wrote the script. Yes. And the guy playing Solo is an American. Right. Two things that are important to me. Yeah. They can't They can't throw another British kid at us. Right. It just yeah. cannot happen. No, we already have to Tom play, To play a cocky, enough. I mean, I, I guess it's a universe, but, but Harrison- this kid, this kid actually did audition to be Spider-Man as well. Okay. But yeah. Because you're right. I mean, yes, it's not. A, but but Harrison Ford was doing a cocky American. Yeah. 100%. I mean, in outer space. So yeah. that's what you need to have. Yeah, you need yeah. to have that mm-hmm. kind of um, who's selfish and greedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got debts to pay. But with a heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, with a heart of gold. Uh, like so. most people in this wretched mm-hmm. country. <laughs> So the next movie, uh, Mission colon Impossible Dash Fallout, so, semicolon yeah. number nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, God, what? How many? How many of these movies have they made? This would be seven. Seven. Wow. Well, now I will say this: uh, I haven't or been a six. fan of these movies for three, four movies ago. I mean, I think they've gotten more and more ridiculous. The last one really just looked like they were using magic, you know, <laughs> to uh, you know, sorcery. The, yeah, to, Ethan. To stick Ethan's the sorcerer. And, you know, it just, it was like, it's not even like, you know, I understand they don't have to be grounded, but come on, give me something. Right. Like even Fast and the Furious puts the cars on the ground every once in a while. Uh, well, the so. thing about that, the difference is Fast and the Furious, the last several, they started grounded. Right. The last several, they just went, we're going to go so over the top. Yes. We don't care. Right. Mission Impossible is kind of asking me to believe some of this, but then they're too preposterous exactly. to buy it. Exactly. Like the tone is too serious for what you're showing me. Uh, now, I will say this. This trailer made me a little more interested to see this uh, movie because the trailer, it was like, oh, well, this looks not only more grounded, more interesting. It looks like it was. it's kind of like a reboot of the franchise. It really um, I, I don't turned know me around f- a little bit. I'm not sure why you feel that way because it, it seems to take place right after the last one. <laughs> I, I don't feel like it's a reboot. I yeah. feel like they went... It feels like it's concluding the series, at least with Tom Cruise or something like that. There's a lot of voiceover in this. I, I'm. It's I, all been leading up to this. It's all been leading up to this. There's a great line in there like, you know, Ethan has been um, betrayed, lied to by his cunt. Why would he keep wanting to, you know? So there's that's cool dialogue. How much more of that do you think he can take? Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's sort of confronted with the realities of this amidst crazy hanging from helicopter stunts mm. i i feel the same like you did i watched this and i went i wonder if we'll be uh going after a list of agents <laughs> but i really felt like i'm this is the first one in a while i've been i haven't the last i don't even know if i saw the last i i didn't give a shit about the last three this one i'm i'm kind of excited yeah, this to one see. I'm, I'm definitely more interested in seeing and uh you know tom cruise god bless him still doing his own stunts uh, you know, he did. I think he broke his leg on that. It was the jump to the other building, I believe. That wow. uh, uh, then they had to halt shooting while he healed. Like, like it, it actually happened. He, uh, you know, his, um, you know, his Scientology sheath didn't save him. <laughs> I mean, their sock budget's really low. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the of this the, this trailer, Aaron, and then the other, the whole series? I love the series. Uh, I love that, at least for the first few, I mean, it was every director brought a different thing to it. Um, the last, I would say the last two have been very similar. 
in style and and uh, and everything. But I love that the first three, especially, were like, you know, Brian De Palma doing, uh, you know, almost a a take on the TV show, and right. then John Woo going fucking ape shit with it, making it an action film, and then uh, JJ trying to bring a little heart back to it, but still keeping some. I mean, so I just I love it. I think for what have you it, loved every single one. I have. Wow. I have. Because I, I, they just are what they are. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. I don't expect them to be anything. Um, he is a government agent. He's not been recruited like the Fast and the Furious people. <laughs> I mean, you know. He starts off as an agent, yeah. Yeah. He's not a, a stunt car driver that yeah. they just make an agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a street racer yeah. that this, they suddenly gave CIA clearance to. Right. Yeah. There's this this thin layer of credibility uh, that, mm. I, that I think some other action movies miss out on and clearly there the franchise seems to be showing no signs of slowing down like if this one does well there's probably going to be another one yeah i don't know it's 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 the question is how many i mean just tom cruise he must still want to keep doing them yeah they're probably a blast to shoot if you're an mm-hmm. actor. I mean, they bring back the whole Ving Rhames and Simon Pegg yep, and yep. everybody. They're all mm-hmm. back. Bands so, back together. Yeah, so it looks fun. I mean, it's probably mm-hmm. just a blast to do. I mean, wouldn't you like... There's going to be a girl scientist, half right. his age, that'll be in it, I'm sure. Right. That will need saving. Or wants to kill him. Yeah, or both. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm 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 so I'm really shocked at my response of like I kind of want to see that. <laughs> like, yeah, I was too because like I said, I haven't been a fan of the last few, and then this one kind of turned me around a little bit. I'm like, all right, you know, it it could be the same old bullshit, and then the trailer editor gets the credit. Right. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens, and we'll uh, we'll see what Aaron thinks after he sees the movie. Wouldn't yeah, yeah. it would be interesting if this would be the one that Aaron goes, man, I liked them all up until this one. <laughs> if this one turns him around. It's highly unlikely, but Henry Cavill's in it, so he, there could be a, a DC <laughs> curse or something that yeah. travels yeah. into it. <laughs> a DC curse travels into a could, Mission Impossible movie. That's the fallout. Yeah, is it's a DC curse? Yeah. <laughs> could be. As long as there's not a mummy in this movie, I think we'll be we'll be okay. Um, okay, so uh, on DVD and Blu-ray is a Bad Mom's Christmas. So this is you know it, it's a. It's a blessing and a curse when you have a holiday movie like you. Oh, you get a lot more people to go out and actually see it because it's a Christmas themed movie. But then when DVD release comes time, do I really want to see a Christmas movie in February? So I don't know. I, don't know. I, did, I didn't. I saw. I didn't see this movie. I saw the first mm-hmm. one, which I thought was funny. So I don't know. Maybe this one is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next movie is Only the Brave. This is. Um, That's the um, firefighting, the forest fire movie, right? With Howie Long? No. <laughs> no, this is the Fire one Storm. that... No, this is... The, I don't I'm pulling all the so. great late 90s actions. <laughs> this is the Josh Brolin, um, oh, Miles yeah, Teller yes. movie where they okay. go... It's based on a true story. Right. The Granite Mountain Hot Shots, a group of elite firefighters who risk everything to protect a town from a horrific wildfire. Yep. Okay, all right. Based on a GQ article, No Exit. So it's based on a true story. It was one of these movies that kind of looked interesting to me. Just came and went. Yeah, it came and went. I almost watched it on the plane flying back, but then mm-hmm. Kong Skull Island was on. Right. Oh, you got to go with Kong. Watch part of that, and then yeah. I slept. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I next movie box. is Suburbicon. This is the uh, Coen Brothers movie that the Coen Brothers didn't make. 
didn't like it. Yeah. It, it, it just was too uneven. It was got it was a lot of bad reviews. Yeah, it was really all over the place. It looked mm-hmm. all over the place from the trailer yep. and it was it was the trailer was accurate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer didn't lie to you. And LBJ is uh, also out. And this is Woody Harrelson's version of of I think so. Yeah, of LBJ which That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. This is another one that was like a, one of those biopics that like uh uh, just kind of came and went. It didn't last very long. You know, I don't know. It was peculiar because Brian Cranston did a great version of it. Yeah, that was on HBO. That was on HBO. And then this came out and it sort of was like, huh, not to take anything away from Woody Harrelson, but Cranston's HBO one was so good. Right, right. I'd be curious to what, I just don't think it, it, I don't think it resonated. Everything it was, seems to be competing with them, HBO telemovies. Right. Well, they, they're really, that's, that's, yeah. HBO has been doing that right for 20 for years, years. You know, yep. so uh, Rob mm-hmm. Reiner directed this, which is interesting. Um, but I'd love to see, you know, Richard Jenkins is in it, Jennifer Jason Lee's in it, um, Bill Pullman. I'd be curious to know what people thought who saw it because I didn't get a chance to see it. Right. Was, is there a scene <laughs> where he shaves his head with a bowie knife? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, next movie is Batman <laughs> Gotham by Gaslight. This is another one of the DC animated movies where it is um, turn of the century and Batman is going after Jack the Ripper. All right. So in this theme based on a uh, uh, graphic novel from years back, um, there's a there's a Batman uh, ninja movie coming out later this year. That's I've only seen being released in uh, Japan. Um, that I cannot wait to see. Uh, uh, did she get an American release? I don't know. That's I think I, I, I really, I think I need to see this in Japan. <laughs> so I don't have a, dis- I don't see October, I don't know what the, they don't have a distinct release date yet. When I look on the mm-hmm. IMDb page, it just says 2018. Mm. Uh, release date, yeah. So I don't know when it's, it's, it all says 2018, but nobody has specific dates for hmm. the countries. But all right, so uh, Batman Ninja, highly anticipated. Yeah. So and site um, spotlight and the fan feedback. We want to thank you guys. We made it to over a thousand subscribers on the YouTube page. So you guys put us over the top. We won't get demonetized. Not that again. Not that we make a fortune over over at YouTube, but it it does help us um, pay Frank. Now we need a. Uh, uh, more people to watch, like, subscribe, and comment. Here's a great free way to support the show, mm-hmm. you guys. So here's the thing with YouTube. Uh, I know this from doing Political Vigilante. Let the ads play ahead of it. Don't click skip ad. Just let the ads play. Just letting the ad play, we get paid a little bit of money. Um, so you can even just have that on a web browser and let it play. And again, as Chris was saying, like and subscribe and even share some of the videos on your social media. It's a great free way to support the show. Like, oh, these guys are talking about Darkest Hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll put that little clip out there and um, that's a great free way to support the show because YouTube tracks all those analytics. Yeah, so we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You got us there. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's talk about uh, movies coming out this week. Fifty Shades Freed, finally. <laughs> We got to find out how this ends, Graham. I don't know. To, it's what's going to happen. He's a billionaire. Uh, my favorite part of the trailer is like her, her being surprised that he's still rich. It's like, look, this, this is a private jet. I'm like, really? This, we're in the third movie. I think you know he's rich. You guys are right married. Now. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're getting it's married your, in this one. It's yours, John. It's yes. yours. Yeah, it's now it's oh, yours. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it happens when you get married. Yeah. I'm just, I, I have no desire to see it, but I, what in the hell is the conflict? And like the trailer is just like, Here's all this cool shit, and we're still into weird sex. 
awesome. Like, what's the conflict? In, what what like, they do is they try is he, to throw like, like something, something yeah. in, in like, uh, and that's that's the whole movie. The movies go nowhere, with the exception of like, at the end they throw in some kind of weird thriller element where an old lover shows up or uh, another guy goes crazy and, and tries to, <laughs> you know, um, assault one, her. Like like that's what happened in the last movie. Like like just it literally comes out of nowhere just to create some second of conflict throughout the entire movie. Uh, Kim Basinger's or, his mom. And like there's some, they allude in the trailer to some creepy interplay between him and his mom. That's, Kim Basinger isn't his mom. Kim Basinger is like the, uh, um, Dominatrix. The Dominatrix that, um, you know, was the dominant. That trained him. That, yeah. Like the, like the Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> She's exactly. the League of Shadows with yeah. S&M. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to get the uh, I'm trying to get the terms right, but Aaron's more accurate. You were uh, born in a <laughs> you, th- you think a sex club is your ally? Yes. I was born in it. Molded the, the dominant by. and the submissive, and that's who we learned from from Kim Bassinger. Take control <laughs> of your whips and chains. <laughs> so it's um, you know these movies are ridiculous. We'll have Laura House on again to defend it possibly. <laughs> uh, but you know, I saw the last two. I have to see the last one just to you know, just to see how this plays out. Just in a weird, um, like this is gonna be. It's like in a weird Maze Runner way. You, you just kind of have to. Well, now I'm like I'm too in. I gotta finish it. So. <laughs> well, now I'm in. If there's if there's yeah. an SNM League of Shadows that Kim Basinger runs, I, I just I want to see this. More, makes more sense. She's so she's um, an immortal. She's yes. a dominatrix immortal. And then at the end, they tied into the Cloverfield universe. Oh God! <laughs> Theatricality and deception. Uh, key allies. Um, the next movie is Peter Rabbit. This looks like a fun kids movie. Uh, Dom Hall Gleason looks like he's having a blast. Um, playing against you know a bunch of just CG animals, so uh, it looks like a fun kids movie. And then the next movie is the fifteen seventeen to Paris. Uh, this Clint Eastwood did something interesting. He actually has the actual guys who were involved in the incident star in the movie. So um, the problem is uh, a they're not professional actors. B um, from the trailer, it looks so heavy-handed that you're like, oh, is this going to be a good movie? I'm it just looks sure. like, hey, this endless, you know, this $5 trillion that we've spent on the global war on terror for the last 16 years that could have completely fixed the entire planet. Uh, we need a movie to go, yeah, see, terrorists are bad. We're not creating them with drone strikes. We're... <laughs> Wait, it's just it just seems Are like you getting war all prop- political again. A little bit, a little bit. When I watch <laughs> war propaganda, this is like John Wayne's Green Berets Vietnam movie. <laughs> it's just like. But it also feels like it's one of those movies that it's like we're gonna have an hour and a half leading up to one one event because it, it's you know we know what happens and we're leading like you know the whole movie is there's not going to be a lot of twists and turns in this movie and you know I look I, these actual guys that that were on this train that tried to that prevent it or saved it or yeah, whatever, I mean they're they, heroes good for them good yeah. for them they're heroes but like it just seems more it just seems more like but like propaganda I, I, it, it just it feels like you know like you've got this you know a bunch of setup but you've also got um, you know, really clunky dialogue of like, you know, 
you ever feel like, you know, your life's pushing you and leading you into something? I'm like, yes, the third act of the movie. Yeah, the train. I get it. The, yes. Where you got to blow yeah, up and we, you got to save we, people. Yeah, we, we, get, we get it. You ever um, feel like you're on a train and yeah, something might happen yeah, on yeah, it? Yeah, so, so it just- You feel like you're in a movie? Yeah. Some yeah. weird old guy kind of telling you to do it whenever you want? So it really feels- Some guy feels, that talked to a chair at a Republican convention? Yeah. So it really feels heavy-handed, so uh, I don't know. I don't know how this movie's going to be. But uh, that is our show. That's it, guys. 405, put in the books. Thank mm-hmm. you, Aaron Brungart, for chiming in with See, the Raza Ghoul line. Didn't need a guest today. We got Aaron. <laughs> we did. Mm-hmm. He's wearing an earbud shirt and an Oakland A's hat. Perfect. Good for him. Oh, we had some fun ad reads. What the, we, we did. We had a nice recap. We had 1,000 subscribers. Yeah. We had some historical dramas. Mm-hmm. And then we, we talked had, about Pearl Harbor, yeah. Dunkirk. We had a little bit of a history lesson. Some history lessons, guys. Mm-hmm. We had history lessons about women's sports and how that yes. works. Mm-hmm. And we talked about a, the history of, of why Netflix shouldn't be Making movies. <laughs> Should be making movies. Uh, we, uh, we covered a lot of ground. Fun time ahead by all you guys. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you for supporting the show, you guys. Uh, the FNX Comedy Experience. We took the week off. So this Sunday, February 11th, Nikki Glazer is there. So we're having, um, obviously, Native Comics, World Indigenous Comics, and people like Nikki, big name acts. It's important because what Nikki's going to do, not only for the live event, but when the show airs, we're going to bring a lot of new eyeballs because she's got a big fan base, which is going to help expand uh, knowledge of Native American comedy and culture and stuff like that. So if you're in Southern California, please come out to the show. Go to GrahamElwood.com for all the tour dates. And and there's a bunch of episodes coming up. It's a great way to support uh, public broadcasting and uh, Native American comedy and just stand-up comedy in general and my personal directing career so. Yes. <laughs> so all good ways good reasons to support um so that's it everybody so and i want to mention too uh for conversations from the abyss i've just finished the uh uh first four episodes as far as writing goes Ooh. so now i have the back four to write uh, will be another season of eight and i got a nice tweet from somebody saying yeah i thought i could listen to this late uh working alone in the office not a good idea. Oh, no. It uh, yeah, unsettled you're gonna, me. You're going to go nuts. <laughs> you're going to lose your. You're going to lose your shit. So if you do that. that is a uh, great compliment. Thank you. And uh, uh, so look for the uh, next season coming up uh, as soon as I can get it done. <laughs> yes, and don't listen to it alone in your office. Yes. Uh, thank you so much to everybody at the All Things Comedy World Headquarters. Going to be moving to a new studio, guys. We are next week. If different all things background, goes to if you watch on the YouTube, plan. coming up. Um, so, my name's Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Aloha.